Every business should have access to high-speed internet, no matter where they are. But getting fast speeds in rural Canada hasn't always been easy, which meant less reliability, scalability, and connectivity. ExploreNet Enterprise Solutions has the network to help you do business virtually anywhere in Canada. With extensive fiber, fixed wireless, and satellite networks, we're bringing the high speeds of the big city to small towns, to tiny towns, and even no towns. No matter your business size or location, get connected today with ExploreNet Enterprise Solutions. Are you ready to clear a new path? Welcome to Clearing a New Path podcast, a space for the underrepresented voices of women entrepreneurs in rural Canada. I'm your host, Shauna Ray. Each episode, guests will speak authentic truth because it's the truth that connects us. Each one inspires us all to take up space within our own communities and within the business world, reminding us that each path can be messy and unique. Join us on the journey, clearing a new path. Transformational life coach, facilitator, yoga teacher, and Reiki healer. A natural leader, Emma thrives on seeing others flourish. She is gifted at inspiring people to be their favorite version of themselves on the mat, at work, home, or play. Emma has over a decade of leadership experience in corporate and government environments from England to Canada. After her own awakening, she walked away from her career to devote herself to helping others on their path of transformation. Weaving her unique blend of spiritual and practical concepts, she gently guides her clients to discover their passion and take aligned action. Emma is proud to call British Columbia home and spends her time between Sun Peaks and Nacusp. Okay, Emma. Where do you hail from? Where in rural or remote Canada are you? Hi, Shona. Um, well, I'm originally from England, but you find me today in Sun Peaks, British Columbia, which is on the traditional territory of the Sequatmec people, and it's near Kamloops. Let's talk about how you ended up in Sun Peaks first. When I first came to Canada, actually, I, I was living in Vancouver and I snowboarded here and I fell in love with this mountain. It's such a beautiful space. The village is really lovely and there's like kind of three mountains surrounding me. Um, and, and so that was in 2007 and I always wanted to spend time here. And then in... Gosh, 2017, I think it was. Um, my ex-husband and I ended up buying this condo as um, a bit of a retirement dream. And then 
after we got divorced, I got the condo at Sun Peaks. <laughs> so I guess I was always meant to be here. <laughs> How did your professional career evolve to what you're doing now? And how did your professional and personal career kind of intertwine? It's interesting because my my professional career, I, I started out doing so many different things. Like I started out as actually as a receptionist working, doing temping jobs because I figured out that uh, if the receptionist didn't show up to work, they always had to fill that position. So I was always working. But that gave me an opportunity to work in lots of different companies and try out lots of different things and figure out what my skill sets were. And then I ended up in a job actually with a um, a software company working in the um, database support and just taking taking phone calls and ended up from there moving up through that company, working as a, a database technician, which I loved. But then I saw that I would quite happily spend all my time writing code in a dark room and that, that probably wasn't healthy for me mentally. So I moved into project management with, with them and really they discovered that kind of my organizational skills were really my greatest asset. And so I spent about 10 years actually with that company. And then when I moved to Canada, I fell into working um, with uh, indigenous communities in public safety. And so I was the training officer for the First Nations Emergency Service Society of British Columbia. So looking after organizing like first aid training and firefighter training for all the First Nations communities in BC. And then through that started actually leading teams and leading people and realizing um, thanks to uh, being mentored by someone who believed in me and trusted me, realizing that I actually did have great leadership skills and could help other people by mentoring them as well. And so then progressed through a, a number of different uh, leadership jobs. I worked, I actually lived in Iqaluit up in Nunavut for a couple of years as the training officer there for the city, which was an amazing experience. And then I worked for a while with BC Wildfire, looking after team, looking after human resources and finance. So got to know like a lot about people and, and how people think and working with different personalities. Um, and yeah, then progressed through an, a number of different jobs in, in government and as my own company as a contractor and just found that what gets me going, what keeps me going, what helps me show up to work each day is helping other people to believe in themselves. Like, taking that nervous, scared person and being like, no, you can, you can do this. I believe in you go do it. And then just watching them like take flight and gain their confidence and, and do things that they never thought they could do is just so amazing. Um, and so, yeah, that really, I realized that, that that was what I'm here on earth to do is to help people believe in themselves and, and trust their dreams. That sounds amazing. <laughs> and and it's obvious 
your passion for it, it comes through, it radiates through. Can you explain the transition that you went through from being of service to other companies? So working within a business structure and serving people within that environment to now where you're serving individuals directly. What's that experience been like? Yeah, gosh. It's um it's interesting because growing up, I think, you know, in the certainly coming of age in the in the eighties, I saw entrepreneurs as a bad thing. Like it was a, a negative. It was like greedy, money-hungry people in power suits doing no good for anyone. And so it never occurred to me that I would ever be an entrepreneur, that I would ever run my own business. Um, and, you know, at, at school, I was kind of like, okay, you're good at this. You should go to university and do this and kind of set myself on, on a path of getting an education, getting a career, getting a job. And um, just that, yeah, that I should have a career and work for someone. Like that was clearly, there was, there was never any other option. I'm trying to even think like, when did the light bulb go on that I could do this for myself? I think it was a gradual thing, to be honest. I, I've always lived with anxiety and depression and so experienced a, a lot of self-doubt and, um, questioning myself and and so not really believing trusting my heart but instead doing what what other people tell me and what I think I should should do with my air quotes and I slowly started to realize and it wasn't until I was in my early 40s to be honest <laughs> a bit of a slow learner realized that although I had all the things that I'd been told that I should aspire to. They, I had a high paying job. I had a husband. I had the two homes, all the toys, but I actually was really miserable. I was like dying inside. I would cry in my car all the way to work and then all the way home again. I'd take bathroom breaks that were just to go down to the bathroom and cry because I was so miserable at work. And then I was really miserable at home too. So I'd just come home and drink and party because like we were like the party couple. And so I was never really facing up to what was going on for me. And then I actually, through, through my local yoga studio, I was living in near Williams Lake at the time. And, um, someone came, um, this amazing mentor of mine called Diana Deacon came to do a workshop at the yoga studio and I found her really inspiring and so we kind of continued working together she had a, a Facebook group at the time and was part of that and then eventually um, she became my life coach and she helped me to she just created this safe space where I could question my unhappiness and dissatisfaction without being judged. Cause I think I was always scared that people would be like, what the, how can you be so ungrateful? You have all these things and how can you not be happy? And she was like, that's okay. Like that, if that's not for you, that's okay. And over the years that we worked together, just helped me to open up my mind that 
there is another way and that I can do something different. And so just coming to a really slow realization that I didn't have to stay in the situation that I was in and that it was okay to think about even what I wanted different. And, and then I did, you know, I, I got the idea that yes, not having to go to a job and instead being able to work from home, having that space to be able to, when I was having a bad day to like stay in my pajamas under the duvet and cry if I wanted to, instead of having to show up to work um, and allowing myself to do that. But unfortunately, what I ended up doing was just recreating my own nightmare. So I, I set up my own business and I was consulting, but I was actually working more hours and I was more stressed out than I was. Apparently, I like to learn the hard way. So I've been through a, a few breakdowns. And so my my last breakdown, and hopefully the most recent one is indeed my last one. I just really realized that that I just cre- recreated my own nightmare and that I needed to tear it all up and, and start again. And yeah, I had, I was working for, for a company. I quit that job. I took some time off for myself, even though I was really scared about like being single, not I'd I'd left my husband, and so here I was single. Then cutting off my own income, but I just knew that I had to do it because it was it was literally killing me. It was making me physically and mentally sick. So in that then space that I created for myself, I really let myself figure out what do I want to do, and I had actually been a client for someone who was going through their life coaching training. And so, you know, you, you go as a a free client so they can practice on you. And it was incredible. And it was so transformational. And then one day she let me know that her life coaching school was taking new students. And I was like, oh my God, this light bulb went on. Hang on a minute. That thing that we were doing, you were practicing on me to be a life coach and I could do that. And it's crazy that I was just so slow to pick up on it. But yeah, so I like literally the the training was starting. I think that was on a Thursday and the training was starting on the Monday. So launched myself fully into doing that training and really realized that that was what I was meant to do to, to be of service to, to others and to be willing to take those brave, scary steps because I need to, someone, someone's got to take the first step and that I knew that I could do it by all the work that I'd done on myself and all the highs and lows. I was like, I'm not doing this again. I need, I need to write my story here. Yeah. So it was a very long answer to your question. <laughs> but a perfect one. I, and, and so let me say this is, well, let me ask you, have you always been able to be this vulnerable? Because by being vulnerable, as you know, and authentic, we open things up to a space where it's safe for others to do that. And so 
how did that happen? Was that part of the the you being the student and the coach coaching you and then you being able to do that and provide that for other people? Yeah. So to answer your your first question, no, I have not been able to be this vulnerable. I was that person that was so painfully conscious of what other people thought of me. The other day, someone uh, invited me to like remember a really good time from being a teenager. And I was like, yeah, no, I can't. Like all I can remember is crippling anxiety of worrying what everyone thought about me. And that carried on through like, um, you know, at work, not not being able to show up properly as a, a leader because I didn't have my own authentic leadership style because I didn't trust myself. And then I needed to do a lot of public speaking with my work and I was super uncomfortable with it. I'd get this tide of red would come up my neck and, and then that would make me more anxious and make it worse. And But I knew I, I needed to overcome it. And so I actually chose to sign up to be, um, I was working for the BC government at the time, to be an employer representative for the occupational health and safety courses. So I would travel around to different work sites with an employee rep and we would deliver training. And I basically, I forced myself to do that, to overcome my fear of public speaking. And part of that was like a fear of being asked a question and not knowing the answer was like one of the the main drivers of that. And so that was definitely one of the steps of being willing to be vulnerable, being willing to fail. And then, you know, I've studied um, a lot of like, you know, human thought processes and in my bookcase is full of a mixture of leadership and spiritual books. And, And so really doing that work on myself to understand and, just even I, I was coaching someone on exactly this the other day um, is that when you have those fears where you're scared to be vulnerable, what if you just play it through in your mind and you're like, well, what's the worst that could happen? What, what if I stand up in front of these people and I don't know the answer to the question? What if I trip on the stage? Like really, what is the worst that can happen? And so allowing my mind to go there and realize that all of these situations that were putting me into this fight or flight, like were not, were never going to actually kill me. You know, they're just, they're just my, my body, my mind trying to keep me safe. So when I, I'm shaking my head, I'm trying not to interrupt because I can relate to so much of what you're saying. All of it, in fact. So um, the vulnerability, the anxiety being young, the partying, the Cosmo couple kind of thing. I think all of us kind of go through a stage and I'm always trying to read different books and look at different ways of attacking issues that I might have. But I think I got to a point where I can be, I can just go within, you know, the meditation piece is I came to it very late in life too. All of these things, all of the vulnerability, all of the authentically talking about your life and and showing up as a real person and the authentic person that you are with all your flaws. How have you gone from having to do those talks and 
getting yourself ready for those um, to now listening and holding space for others. Yeah. Yeah, it's really been, first of all, getting to be comfortable with myself, which I I forget when it was, and I should look in my journals, but I remember one day realizing I love myself. And it was just so incredible. And it was probably, it's like within the last five years that, that I arrived at that. And so when I was able to love myself exactly as I am physically, emotionally, mentally, then I didn't, as well, I didn't care what other people thought about me, but it didn't impact how I showed up. And then I was able to just show up as me. And, you know, so I I was still working in, in government at that time. And, you know, instead of being a manager the way my manager told me to be. I was like, no, you know what? I get it. I understand what we need to do, but I'm going to talk to my team the way I want to talk to them. And, and it was, it was huge. It was such a, such a shift. And then from there, it, it snowballs, right? You do something and it goes well. And then you're like, okay, cool. I can do some more of that. And so starting to, to show up more and more, um, one thing that was massively transformational though was doing my my yoga teacher training and because that really teaches you so much self-awareness but then also teaching you to to hold space for for people and to you know be able to stand in front of a class of 10 completely different bodies and abilities and deliver my yoga sequence, the practice that I've planned, and to not be in any way phased by one person, you know, not doing what I'm inviting them to do and just going in child's pose and someone else like maybe rushing ahead and doing something else and just being okay with that, being that like everyone is just doing their very best and being where they need to be right now. I'm here as a guide to suggest what you might do to offer invitations and you can choose what you do with that. And so then this, that yogic philosophy is now what I take into all of my work and try to reflect on and just have that, that openness that will all arrive at our destination at the right time, that wherever each of us is right now is perfect, that we are perfect and that we're doing our best. And that I actually genuinely believe that. And there's, there's a meditation, I don't know if you've heard of it, it's called Metta or Loving Kindness. And it's where you practice you first of all, you offer love to yourself, then to someone who you love and care about, then someone who you don't really know, like maybe, you know, the cashier or the mailman, and you're just doing this in in your head. And then you offer love to someone who really triggers you. And I worked on that for years, 
with this one particular triggering individual. And finally, I arrived at a place where I actually genuinely did love them and wish the best for them instead of having to force it. And then that, that changes, it changes everything. I just wanted to hold that for a second <laughs> mm-hmm. because it's really powerful. Yeah. And I have to say, it's something I still work on and I am not successful with all the people that trigger me. And then I'll think, yeah, I've got this. And then I get triggered again. <laughs> so, so it's, it's, it's a lifelong thing and it takes, takes effort and takes conscious awareness but like all things, right? Like we need to be intentional and conscious to cultivate things. And so if I'm efforting, putting, putting conscious effort into being loving and open and kind, then I'm, I'm totally okay with putting my effort into that. <laughs> I love that. What about unique challenges about being in a rural or a smaller area outside, you said, you know, you first arrived in Vancouver, which is a large urban center. And now you live amongst folks that may not be as diverse, um, may not be as conscious of the privilege that they hold. Lots of those things. So how do you, how do you live amongst folks in a smaller town. Yeah. You know, I, Sun Peaks is pretty diverse and I I do think that people here are pretty aware. It's, it's interesting because because it's a, a mountain resort, the population really fluctuates. So we have our winter population, our summer population, and then our year-round population, which I think the year-round is at about a 1,000 now. Um, and so uh, we're in shoulder season at the moment, so it's kind of very um, – it's like this beautiful kind of spring awakening, like all the winter people have gone and the summer – People haven't quite arrived yet, so it's just everyone's just kind of doing their thing quietly. Um, but it's definitely living in a small community, and I really learned this actually when I lived in Iqaluit up in Nunavut. Mm-hmm. Where you, I mean, you can't leave; it's fly yeah. in, fly out, um, and it's expensive to fly out. So you're there in in again a, a smaller community. And um, the people that surround you are the people that surround you. So whereas in Vancouver, you get to, if you meet someone and you don't really like them, you're like, okay, well, I'm just not going to hang out with you. I'll never, ever see you again. That doesn't happen in a small community, right? You're always going to run into those people again. So you end up choosing to have friendships with people that you wouldn't necessarily. And then that really opened my mind to appreciating people and to being more, more compassionate and understanding and being okay with a, we can agree on this and disagree on something else, but we can still hang out together. 
Um, and being more open to being friends with people of different ages as well. Like now having lived in rural communities, my friendships span from people in their 20s to people in their 80s. And they're just my friends. They, they, that age doesn't matter. And you connect with like-minded souls. But I also think that in a smaller community, it invites me anyway to be more gentle, to be less in your face about my attitudes and opinions, because we we all have to live together in this small space. And similarly, then if someone triggers me, like I'm not the world police. I don't have to address whatever it is that they did or said that bothers me. I can just notice it and let it go and carry on. Um, so yeah. And, and even in like diversity is a curious concept because, you know, we, we think about it a lot currently in terms of, you know, what your heritage, um, and increasingly, you know, thoughts on the vaccines, as we've seen, like with the, the protests in BC and things like that. But diversity is in so many different ways as well. And just, it's not just the, the visible and the spoken diversity. There, there's so much, much more. And I think as I've learned to be, to love myself, which then allows me to love others, I'm much more curious about people and so open to hearing their stories and what they have to say. And yeah, kind of probably appreciating the diversity in what might look like a non-diverse community, but realizing that actually like, you know, everyone has their story and or maybe even their dreams that never happened that, mm. you know, they're, they're still carrying with them. So, yeah. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. What about women in particular in rural communities? What do you think um, holds them back perhaps or can be barriers for women in rural communities? Mm-hmm. Definitely the limited jobs available. And so, you know, thinking about the, the different rural communities that, that I've lived in across Canada, you know, really, yeah, your options are limited that you can go be a clerk at the government office and, that, you know, that, that's what you can aspire to. There's a good girl. <laughs> um, and that there's definitely more of that traditional, the man is the major breadwinner and the woman may work or may, you know, be at home. And um, there's less, less of the women being out there, having, you know, being the the breadwinner um, that you might increasingly see in cities. It's, it's definitely a more traditional 
arrangement, I think, but I definitely think that the limited options available allows women to stay in that box that society has put us in for however long. Um, But what's really cool is how, you know, COVID has been awful, but it's also taught us many things and opened up so many opportunities. And, you know, when it first started, we were all thinking, okay, yeah, two weeks home from the office, I'll just wear my PJs and eat ice cream and then I'll go back to work. And then two years later, people are only just going back to the office or not. And because it went on for so long, there were so many more options that it was like, oh, hang on, you actually, this job that I didn't think I could do from home, I actually can. Or other people just deciding like, no, I'm quitting my job and I'm doing something else altogether. So I think it has in the past couple of years partially COVID, partially just, I I really do believe that there's a major awakening collectively in society that we can do different things and we can do it differently. So I see even more of an opportunity almost within rural communities than there is in the city for women to to grasp these opportunities, to, to do things differently. And to figure out a way that they can be themselves no matter where they are. And, you know, a lot of the time as well, people are choosing to live rurally. Like, so it's like, how do you intertwine what it is that you desire from this smaller, slower lifestyle? And what is it that you want to do work-wise? Like, how do you want to generate the the income that, that you need? And then figuring out a way to to fit those together hand in glove instead of them working against each other. Like, I know so many people, you know, have, like, they want to work their land, but they're commuting to town to go and work in a job that they hate and that, now it's shifted and it's like, oh, I can work from home. Or maybe, maybe there is actually a way that I can make living off my land be my income. So I think women in rural communities are are resourceful and resilient and they really support each other too. They definitely look out for each other. So I think you know, that desire to support other small businesses is so strong. Yeah. What keeps you up at night? What worries you in this world right now? Mental health. Because I know how much ignoring my own mental health struggles created so much pain for me over the years. Even though there's been a huge shift and yes, we do talk about it more, there's still too much stigma around mental health. And we need to be able to talk about it and to love and support each other and to not judge 
so that people can heal and be held and feel safe in their mental health journey. Well, it's a safe, a safer community or a safer space. Hugs (laughs) make a huge difference. Being heard and someone actually just listening to you and not trying to fix you or tell you it's okay or say anything. Someone just listening, someone not judging you. We're all so scared that people aren't going to like us because of whatever it is. So being able to just say what's going on for you and have that person uh, that you're talking to just be there, just sit with you, not try to change you and let you speak and offer you love, give you a hug and love you regardless of what's going on. Or not even regardless, love you because of everything that's going on. Mental health can be a struggle, but I don't think it it needs to be like such a fight. And I try to say that I, you know, I live with anxiety and depression because they are part of me. They are part of who I am. And without all of my anxiety and depression, I wouldn't be where I am. And maybe I wouldn't, you know, so maybe I'd be less than. So accepting and loving ourselves as we are and not thinking that we need to be fixed or that we need to fix anyone else. I am going to ask you one last question. What's your advice to other women uh, looking to work for themselves, leave that corporate job? What Mm -hmm. would you tell them if they're considering it, waffling, you know, thinking, I don't want this job anymore that's making me sick? First of all, just pause and figure out what is it about it that you don't like? And then think about what is it that you would like? We've, you know, so that you're avoiding jumping, what is it, out of the frying pan into the fire, you know? Yes, it's painful and you need to get out of it. That's wonderful that you've had that awakening. But stop and figure out what is actually going to make you happy. Because I thought that it was not working for the man, but that was wrong. And so I, you know, created another couple of years of misery for myself. So instead, figure out, sit down, whatever mechanism it is you use, whether it's like through journaling, through talking to a friend, get a life coach, talk it through, figure out. Um, what are your values? What is important to you? What, what keeps you awake at night? What gets you up in the morning? What brings you joy? Um, I actually, I used this analogy the other day in a talk I gave, um, Marie Kondo, your life, not your closet, but go through the things in your life and figure out what brings you joy. And then once you have a really clear picture of what brings you joy and what is in conflict with your values, what rubs up against you, then from there, figure out what it is that you want to do. What do you want to create? 
and then figure out how to get there. And, you know, it, it may be a gradual thing, or maybe, maybe it might even be as simple as changing your attitude to your job. I, I've had that with clients where it's just like shifting it so that you don't hate it, seeing where you're, what you feel at the moment is a pointless government job actually does make a difference and contribute to society. Figure out where you bring value. Um, or maybe it is like that you have this big dream of creating your own business. And so how you can create an actual plan to work towards that. But don't rush. Listen to your heart and check in and make sure that whatever decisions you're making you're really making them for you and in your own best interests, that you're not just running away from something, that you're actually creating something that you can walk towards. I love that. Thank you so much, Emma. I really could speak to you for hours, (laughs) but thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Shauna. this episode, please subscribe, rate it, and leave a review. It really helps others find us. Clearing a New Path podcast artwork is supported by the graphic design of Katie Wilhelm, and the music branding is by Dev Studios. The podcast is produced by Radar Media in Temp Centre, Ontario. It is the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Haudenosaunee, and neutral peoples who once used this land as their traditional beaver hunting grounds. The First Nations communities closest to this studio are Chippewa of the Thames First Nation, Oneida Nation of the Thames, Muncie, Delaware First Nation, and the Chippewas of Kettle and Stony Point. We will speak to many people across Turtle Island, and as a settler here, I'm committed to deepening understanding of Indigenous communities and reframing responsibilities to land and community. I am grateful to Mother Earth for the opportunity for love and connection, and to the spirits of the elders and the medicine people who still walk the earth. Until next time, 